Welcome to the Missio Day podcast. Missio Day is a family of Jesus, joining God as he makes all things new in Chicago. Check us out online at missiodaychicago.com. Today's scripture reading is Luke 7, 18 to 23. Jesus and John the Baptist. John's disciples told him about all these things. Calling two of them, he sent them to the Lord to ask, Are you the one who was to come, or should we expect someone else? When the men came to Jesus, they said, John the Baptist sent us to you to ask, Are you the one who was to come, or should we expect someone else? At that very time, Jesus cured many who had diseases, sicknesses, and evil spirits, and gave the sight to many people who were blind. So he replied to the messengers, go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind who receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. This is the word of the Lord. Hi, my name is Dave Van Winkle from the Uptown Congregation. It's an honor to be able to preach to you this morning. Sarah and I have had the unique opportunity to be able to do premarital counseling with a number of couples over the years. Uh, And we spend the majority of our time focused on expectations because we've noticed that uh, what your expectation about your finances are or your sex life or uh, who's going to do the chores around the house uh, or how much time you're going to spend together is going to be the, the a major point in knowing how the marriage is going to go. The the reality is is that problems come when you have differing expectations than the other person. Sarah and I have had some of these issues as well. Just recently, she said to me, I never thought that you'd watch as much TV as you do now. Uh, Another uh, thing that she said is, you kind of tricked me. I thought that you were a little bit introverted, but you really are introverted, and you spend a lot of time on your own. And what the reality is, is when we don't understand someone's expectations, we can't really understand their disappointments either. This story on John the Baptist is really about expectations. His discouragement and doubt about Jesus come because his expectations didn't agree with his circumstances. You see, John the Baptist is an amazing figure in the scriptures. His birth was uh, miraculous. He came, uh, it was announced by an angel to his parents who were too old to have a child. And it was announced that he would be the forerunner of the Messiah. You see, Israel had been waiting 400 years for their next prophet. And John the Baptist is the link between the Old Testament prophets and the coming Messiah. John was a dynamic preacher that was sold out for God. John had baptized thousands of people and led to a renewal movement back to God in the first century. Through his ministry, people's hearts had been softened and prepared for repentance so that God's kingdom could finally break through with this Messiah. 
He knew the kingdom was coming, that a new reality was at hand, and he believed it was coming in Jesus. He was confident in it. Through his ministry, uh, people's lives had been changed. So much so that when John the Baptist saw Jesus amongst the crowd when he was preaching, declared first before anyone else, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. But now, John's circumstances had changed. He had just recently called out King Herod for his uh, terrible moral behavior his gross immorality, and it ended up putting him in prison. So we find this great man, John the Baptist, this preacher, this righteous prophet who had stood up to this unjust and unrighteous king, now facing a death sentence. So if you don't understand his expectation for the Messiah, you can't understand understand his disappointment and why he asked the question of Jesus through his messengers. Are you the one that is to come? Or should we expect someone else? See, John's expectation for the Messiah are most clearly seen in Matthew 3, where it says this, starting in verse 11. I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with an unquenchable fire. See, John was part of of an oppressed people, and the Messiah would overtake his enemies and bring judgment upon the unrighteous. That was the commonly held belief of his time. That's what he believed. So he sends his messengers many miles away, by foot to ask that question, are you the one? Because your actions don't seem like it, because my situation doesn't seem to indicate that's who you are. Essentially he's saying, I thought you would do something different. I thought God would act in a different way if this were true. He's asking, am I wrong? Maybe I trusted him and I shouldn't have. He had told everyone that Jesus was the one that you had your fork and you had a fire that you were going to bring about. And he's asking Jesus, he's checking Jesus, where's the fork? Where's the fire? Where's the ax at the root of the tree? When will the judgment of the powers of darkness and the unrighteous come? But maybe the even more real question is, God, why am I in prison? As one of the righteous one, why Am I experiencing this injustice? I mean, it's natural to understand his dilemma. I mean, John was the one when he was in his mother's womb that leapt for joy when Jesus was in the room with his mother. He baptized Jesus. Thousands had repented and turned to God because of his his preaching. He had given up everything, forsaking everything he had for God. He's calling out evil, living righteously. And in just a few verses, Jesus is even going to say about John that he is the greatest man that's ever been born of a woman. Have you ever got caught up in thinking what, about what God should be doing? 
Or maybe you had this idea of what God should do and he's not doing it. Like you were just sure God was going to answer your prayer and do something in a certain way, but he's not. And if we're honest, aren't we in a situation a little bit like John right now? I mean, we're in this global pandemic. And the question I keep asking is, God, what is going on? What is happening? This is not what I expected. There there are probably things in your life right now that you're probably asking the question, what in the world is going on, God? I relate to, to John right now. Now and in other times in my life, it's like I wrote this script and I gave the script to Jesus and he refuses to read the lines that I'm giving him. It's hard to see and trust God when I'm struggling. It's hard when Jesus won't do what I want or what I'm expecting him to do. But as Jesus interacts with these messengers, his response is fascinating. See, he's in the midst of healing blind people and lame people. Like the full power of God is on display right in front of them. He tells them to go back and report what they had seen and heard. And then he follows it up by saying in verse 22, the blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. And I just, like, the word that God has given me this morning as I've studied and prayed and as I thought about it is I believe that Jesus is saying right now that in the midst of this, when the script seems way off, that the kingdom of heaven is still at hand. The kingdom of heaven is in our midst. Jesus is telling John, hold your fire, hold your fork. Let me do what this the way that the Father had intended. I'm ushering in forgiveness, compassion, healing, and power. Don't be afraid. Don't doubt because of me. The kingdom of God is at hand, even while you are in prison. It is still the, the year of the Lord's favor. The day of mercy is present and in our midst. And Jesus is essentially saying, John, you need to reframe your expectations. Just a few, uh, uh, probably months before, a few chapters before, in our minds, Luke 4, Jesus proclaims, and he takes this passage from Isaiah, and he says that the fulfillment of this passage is present with me being here. He says this, that the, that, uh, the prophecy from Isaiah, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. For he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. The blind will see, the oppressed will be set free. The time of the Lord's favor has come. I am doing that right now. It's happening in your midst. But what I said I would do is not what you're expecting, John. See, I need your faith not to rest in what you thought I was going to be. John, I need your faith that that your faith cannot be based on if it fits or achieves your agenda. Now, what I'm hoping for when I read this passage, and maybe you're thinking as well, is I'd love for John to, to kind of reframe his expectations. And then for Jesus to send this, like an angel to John to set him free from prison, knock down the door. John comes out with this new, fresh understanding of the Messiah. And Jesus and him tag team, go around Galilee, bring about the Holy Spirit power and rescuing and healing and saving people. But that's not what happens. John doesn't get out of prison. And just a little while longer, his head is, is actually served up on a platter. And what I find so interesting 
is that Jesus can say that his mission is being accomplished, that his kingdom is here with a straight face in the midst of sailing, healing, and restoring people while at the very same time John is in prison and headed ultimately to his death. This is not a contradiction for Jesus. He says, don't fall away because your expectations aren't being met, because you're sick, because you're depressed, because you're lonely, because you're jobless, because you don't have money. Because in the midst of all of these hardships, Jesus the Messiah, the kingdom is at hand through him. Miracles are taking place even while they may not be happening to you personally. So I think the questions that we have to begin to ask ourselves in the midst of this pandemic, in the midst of asking questions like John, when our expectations for Jesus aren't being met, will we only believe if goodness is at our doorstep? When things are plentiful, when we're healthy and wealthy and happy, when God is doing exactly what we expect, Or will we stand with the millions and even billions of Christians throughout history that have said, your kingdom come, Jesus, even in our darkest moments, even when we don't know what to do, our eyes are still on you. Even when we are confused and we don't have the answers, we put our trust in you. Even when we are sick, we trust in your goodness and in your grace. Even while we don't know how long this will go on or what the future holds. We choose to participate in your kingdom that is here and your presence breaking through in our midst. He challenges us, don't fall away on account of me. Don't fall away when you're in the midst of difficulty. I've got this. The kingdom is even greater than you expected. People are coming from the highways and the byways. You've been seeing this one thing, your own circumstances that are right in front of you. But go tell John that his labor is not in vain and either is yours, that we are right on schedule according to God. Go and tell John that the discouraged and the broken and and the hurt are coming, that they're being saved, that Jesus is doing it. Now, I'll be honest with you, because I think preachers should be honest, that I know very little about what I just preached about. I'm just beginning to get a taste for it. The people who understand this um, are, are, in my mind, are Christians that are the most vulnerable, that have suffered the most. I think so often when we go through suffering and difficulty and pain, we give people books from scholars, from from people that have studied suffering and how to interpret the Bible. And I think that those are, are wonderful things. But the people that understand this the most are the ones on the margins, those who have suffered the most. And I just want to share about two brief people that have taught me this lesson well that go to uptown. One is named Beverly, and Beverly sits in the front row, and she uh, has to lay down the, the, the whole time during our service. She's in a bed, and after the service each week, I tend to go up to Beverly, and, and I ask her, how are you doing? And she responds similarly every week. Uh, Pastor, I'm in a lot of pain. I wish I wasn't in this bed anymore. I don't love the care that I'm getting from the nursing home, and I typically respond in the same way that I I do every week. And I say, Beverly, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry you're experiencing this pain and this challenge and this difficulty. And she looks at me every single time. She says, Pastor, God's got me. And I just, and I'm blown away by that response. And then my other friend, her name is Diane. 
And Diane, no matter what her circumstances are, will respond the same way when you ask her how she is. She says, I'm blessed by the best, ain't worried about the rest. And for a long time, I, I listened to them respond in those, with those phrases, God's got me, blessed by the best, ain't worried about the rest. Both of them have experienced great tragedies and difficulties and abuse and hardship in their lives. And I, and I began to, to say, like, they're just saying those phrases, and those phrases don't really mean anything. Like, they need to, um, they don't really understand how to lament. They don't know how, like, how to doubt like John. Like, somehow these women need to mourn and lament more uh, or just be honest with themselves about how they are feeling. But what I realized uh, is that I don't really know what I'm talking about and that they actually know exactly what they are saying. They understand what I do not. That God is good in the midst of our suffering. That God hasn't abandoned them simply because he isn't following their script. That the Lord's mercies are new every morning. And so my fear is that all of us, all the people from Missio Day and those that are listening outside of that, that we are in the midst of this struggle, in the midst of, of this hardship. And I know that it's difficult and that we are going to be filled with a, a lot of angst and frustration and sadness about our personal situations, our own challenges. We have our own questions and doubts and suffering and pain. But my fear is, is that we in the midst of that are going to miss that the kingdom of God right now is breaking in. That even now, revival is happening. That we might miss out on it because we are failing to forget to count it pure joy when we face trials of many kinds. That Jesus might come to us and say, the blind see, the lame walk, the good news is preached to the poor. And so I thought it would be awesome to be able to hear from a few people that are on the front lines of this challenge. And, the, and to hear from them about the ways in which God's kingdom is, is at hand, is in their midst right now. Hi, my name is Eve Haycock. I attend Missio Day Uptown and I work at Cornerstone Community Outreach as a supervisor for the Naomi Women's Program. During the recent months of COVID craziness, life at CCO has been particularly stressful and hectic. For me, trying to keep 80 homeless, vulnerable, and at-risk women safe and healthy has been my number one goal. Because the women live in a communal setting and are at high risk due to their age, physical, and our mental health, positive COVID cases were a given. In early April, we learned that COVID had come to Naomi House. At the height of our outbreak, we had both clients and staff affected by the virus. Fortunately, I was found negative with both of my COVID tests and was able to hold down the fort for our program. This was challenging. I was in way over my head, way out of my depth of wisdom, strength, and direction. God was and is my only hope. I clung to the picture that I had in my head of Mary heading to the tomb of Jesus, not knowing what she would find. Knowing that all she could do is take the next step, I cried out to the Lord to show me the next step and the next and the next. I begged God for his mercy for our ladies, our families, our staff, and he was there. He did not come in a big miraculous way, but in a gentle calming presence that gave me the strength and the courage to do the very next thing. He gave me the faith to know that he was there. He is here. Big and little miracles happen every day. 
And through it, the biggest miracle was that we found hope. Hope that all will be well in the darkest part of the night. Hope that all our residents will live and walk away from this experience knowing that God was with them. Hope in the unity that the staff has experienced through extreme trials. I know that things are hard for everyone right now, but if I can share one thing, please let me share that hope is here, that God is present in the dark and He is near. He is showing us one little step at a time. My wife and I learned during this time about simply being, being present before God and not being able to bring Him any really big work or act or anything like that, finding that he's still pleased with us and gives us even more peace. Um, learning what's important in life also has been great. Relationships and those we love are the most important gifts that God has given us, much more important than our jobs um, or anything that we often look to for value. Hi, I'm Diane Kelly Rubo from Missio Day Uptown. I'm here at Brimmer uh, Care. And um, being at Brimmer Care with the coronavirus is, is, it's like being in prison. I actually experienced what Paul's experience. You know, um, we were incarcerated in our rooms and um, we had to stay there and he brought our food to us. But all in all, I just trusted God. I never let my faith down. I never let, I never put made God small and I just trusted him. And he, he never, he didn't let me down. And then he gave me a blessing on top of it because they started, they giving me an apartment. Woo! That's all I got to say. Thanks for tuning in. We love to keep the conversation going. Find a weekly gathering or gospel community in a neighborhood near you. To find out more, check us out online at missiodechicago.com.